Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tech While You Trek. I am your host, Adam, and today we're going to talk about new ventures with Vicki Huff and Devin Henkel. Do me a favor, introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about how long you've been with the firm and what your roles are. So I'm Vicki Huff. I have been with the firm for a really long time. I'm going on <laughs> my 30th anniversary, but my role today is I run new ventures in the U.S. and globally, and I've been doing this for a couple of years now. It's pretty exciting. And I'm Devin Henkel. I came to the firm about 10 years ago, and currently I'm in new ventures with Vicki, and I head up the product experience group. So please share with us what the new ventures team does, what it is, and how it solves problems for our clients. New Ventures is focused on packaging PwC's IP in a form of software that we can license to our clients. We're leveraging the software as a service model in every single venture that we have. Software as a service, that's the SaaS model. That's right. In New Ventures, we've expanded that into cloud accounting through the Insights Officer product. We have an onboarding product, Boarding Pass. We have a number of them that are out there now being licensed to our clients, so it's a pretty exciting time. And I think one of the things that makes us unique in the firm is that we actually start with the customer need. So we identify a problem, we go out and we test that and make sure we found a real problem in the people who are having it, and then we start to test solutions with them. And so we're really customer-driven in the way we're developing this software. So how does that mission, the mission of bringing SaaS products to the market, change the way that our clients are looking at the firm? So for us, it's pretty interesting because clients obviously like PwC there every single day. But unfortunately, that gets pretty expensive. So what the SaaS products allow us to do is package up our IP. And so clients have it every day. And then they have the ability to ping us and we can see what they're doing and provide value when they need it. And so it's a cost affordable way of getting the benefit of the firm. And I think thinking of PwC as a product company is a very different thing than thinking of us as a services company. Prior to this, I was in the Experience Center. We had this experience where people said, we understand why we're talking to PwC, but not why we're talking to PwC about this. Right. And, and we're going through a little of that right now, but I think we've had some successes and we're getting better at telling our story. And that's really changing the perception that our clients are looking at us for more than just services, but products as well. Well, so you kind of have touched on it, but let's dive a little deeper there. Can you talk to me more about the differences between a SaaS model from the firm's traditional service models. I mean, Vicky touched on it that it's sort of always available, right? And so you don't need a person to show up and perform some service for you. You can actually get online and get the benefit of PwC's expertise packaged in software. And I think one of the big benefits is that really opens up new markets for us, people who we couldn't sell to previously. Okay, so bringing software to market is... A big job, especially in an environment like ours, where we have lots of competition and lots of potential business problems to solve. So how do you help your teams stay focused on the task at hand as well as evolve as these problems and these problem matrices evolve? To me, it's what Devin said earlier. It's the customer first. And if you do not run these businesses focused on your customers, the metrics, how they're accessing your technologies, what they like, what their experiences are, and what they're looking for, you're going to be out of business. And I think, too, having that vision front and center because everybody comes to the table with different objectives. And to Devin's point, keeping the customer at the front, and that is a constant challenge and opportunity for all of us that we can see. And keeping that focus is the magic sauce, which you don't keep every day, to be honest. It's something we all want, but you have to work on. 
So we're going to pivot a little bit here, and I'm going to ask you first, Vicki, for some advice. What's some advice you would give to women who are interested in a technology career? You know, it's interesting. In women in tech, everybody immediately goes to engineering. And engineering is something that I spend time in high schools and college campuses encouraging and coaching women to go into engineering degrees. But when you talk about women in tech, it's so much more than engineering. There are so many interesting things that women can go for in technology, whether it's a business, whether it's customer experience, whether it's actually technical design. The details that are required when you're building out a technology business and the focus, I think, plays well to skills that women often have. At the same time, I would really encourage women that are out there to engage, to learn about tech, to take the chance, but to make sure they always focus on the business case. Women and men constantly are forgetting about the business case in tech, (laughs) so I always have to put that on no matter what. Well, so can we get into some specifics? What are we doing as a firm to increase our female presence in technology? Yes, I'm really proud as a firm. I think right now we're at a point where 50% of our technical businesses are female employees, and it's an amazing statistic that has gone really well. And I think there's a couple things that we're doing. Again, we offer opportunities, I think, that are playing well from a female candidate standpoint. Devin is here. He obviously has done a great job of really thinking about when he goes to recruit, does he have a diverse pool of candidates? And that immediate focus that we as a firm are doing on that candidate candidate pool, I think, makes a big opportunity and it gives women opportunities that they may not have. Well, so what are some ways that male relationship leaders and coaches support women in tech? And please share examples if you have any. In a lot of ways, it's really looking for opportunities for the female employees to get a chance to step up. And I think that's an active activity. That's not something you sit back and look for things. So, for example, Rachel, who's a product manager in New Ventures, and I are actually starting up a series of women in tech calls and women in product calls. And what we're doing is letting some of the female employees step up, facilitate conversations about different technologies and how they apply to diversity and inclusion. And the important thing is we're actually asking people to make commitments to do something to move the needle on diversity and inclusion there. So it seems to me that you are both probably mentors for many people at the firm, but I'm curious about mentors you've had along the way. From my mentor standpoint, I actually have an interesting story because I'm based in Silicon Valley, and it's obviously known as the boys club, of all boys club, which is true. But I also always talk about a tale of two valleys, which if you go and look at big tech in the valley, most boys come to the valley to code, and often women end up running the bigger companies. So there are a ton of female leaders in big tech. And I've been fortunate enough to have those women as my clients, and it has been an incredible experience for me personally. There's nothing like having role models. Let's focus on your story of a woman in tech. When you graduated college, did you see yourself going to Silicon Valley? (laughs) So, no. I grew up in a Rust Belt town in the middle of Pennsylvania. So California was the sunsets and the cool mountains. And I definitely knew I wanted to go to California. say the weather's pretty nice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I knew I wanted to go to California, but I wasn't thinking about tech. And an opportunity came up to go out there for a couple of years for the firm. And I took it up. And I never looked back. What I thought was I was excited about being near the skiing and the beach and the business opportunity was clear. I had no idea in 1995 that I was moving somewhere that what I would experience in the next 25 years of my life would be ground changing for the world. I'm very thankful for that opportunity at this point and the experiences that I've had. But now I had no idea. Like I said, I've been with the firm about 10 years, and interestingly enough, the whole time I've been here, I've reported to women leadership. You know, I had great examples of what strong, successful women looked like within the firm. I think one of the great examples that I 
take out of this is from my days in innovation, learning that diverse opinions make for better innovation, right? So understanding that bringing people with different perspectives and passions to task on what you're trying to accomplish is really, really useful. And I think that drives the way I try and look to my team to bring their diverse passions and perspectives to the table to get stuff done. So it strikes me that your personal mentor experiences have been fairly important to your careers. Do you have advice on how new employees, young folks can seek out mentors? Because it sounds like that's a useful, useful thing. Yeah, I think it is a useful thing. And I think when you look, especially young women, it's making sure that you're making time to network and spend time and find those people that you can get to know a bit and have the coffees and engage in the business discussion, but include in the agenda some time about you, about them, and getting to know them. It's that softer way is how you build mentor relationships. It's not like they're going through a job application. It is an informal relationship. But I think what I would recommend for sure, and I speak to a lot of women I coach on a regular basis, is you have to make that focus on the networking, the coffees, and the relationship just like you're brushing your teeth. It's a critical skill to focus on. And I often find young women and men, but a lot of young women, don't prioritize it. We have reached the point in our show where I ask the rapid-fire questions before I get my guests out of here. Are you all ready to answer some rapid-fire questions? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, question number one. What is your one bold prediction for technology in the year 2040? My prediction is it'll be talking to you. My kids are entering in tech right now. They don't type. They talk. And when they hit their 30s, there's a heck of a stock market ride coming for technology that talks to you. I think that's right. Technology is going to become more of a partner and less of a tool. It'll be looking forward to 2040. It's a lot like the computer from Star Trek. <laughs> what is your favorite source for new technology information? I like to go to tech conferences. I like to go to the big tech ones because you hear about the latest inventions. It's exciting, but I'm all about adoption and what really is the timeline on adoption. It's always slower than everybody experiences. So I want to see what people are trying to push into the adoption channel and what really is being adopted. My coworkers, right? I think the same way my fellow students in college were a great source for new music, my coworkers are a great source for new technology, and all the time I'm hearing about new things to check out. What makes someone a leader in the digital age? You have to be open to the diverse opinions that Devin was talking about. When you're creating technology and digital solutions that you want humans to engage in, you have to be open to understand that experience. And if you aren't open and you go to more of a dictatorial approach, you're not going to get there. I think keeping your eye on the horizon too, right? And encouraging people to be bold and find their inner inventor. I think when you can get everybody bought into a vision, it's a lot easier for everybody to bring those diverse perspectives and passions to the table. Well, listen, Vicki Huff, Devin Henkel, thank you guys so much for stopping by today. Yeah, thank you. This has been another episode of Tech While You Trek. I have been your host, Adam, and we will talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.